my opinion is once you have enough cash coming in, you know, after teachers have been paid, your facility costs have been paid, your accountant's been paid, like all that stuff. I think the first hire that a studio should make is probably some sort of admin or executive assistant type role to start systematically getting things off the plate of the founder so that the founder can then focus on the most leverageable activities that will make that school continue to grow in both financial success and product quality. So that means reallocating the time of that founder or owner to meeting with key team members and focusing on marketing so that you can continue to grow. Are you a music school owner looking to scale your program from just a handful of teachers to a highly profitable, well-organized and mission-driven company? Well, I'm Nate Shaw, co-founder of the Brooklyn Music Factory. And I'm Daniel Patterson, founder of Grow Your Music Studio. And we're here to help you discover a proven pathway to sustainable growth in your music school. So get ready to take your passion for music education and scale it to a seven-figure music school. Um, so we're turning the tables a little bit here, Daniel, in a way, because um, you had reached out to me over the last few weeks and asked, hey, Nate, what are some of the questions that you're getting within your team that we could tackle here on the podcast, um, which I really appreciated. And so the top of mind question is actually pretty straightforward. It falls straight into your area of expertise, and it's been a consistent pain point for me and my team over the dozen years that we've been doing this, which is how do you know when it's time to actually pivot on a marketing funnel that you've been using for so long? Um, when is it time to actually make a change, right? And I think underlying all this is really this notion that's always been kind of um, a struggle for me, honestly, mm. which is just learning to trust a funnel that's working, delivering you lots of great leads and great new students and families, and when to start saying, hold on a second, I'm actually not quite trusting that like I once did. Knowing what the next best question to ask is, i.e., is it, wait, it's time to actually do a complete redesign, or no, you just need to tweak the funnel. So the question um, is really, when is it time to pivot, dude? When do we yeah. school owners need to actually invest resources into making a wholesale change on our marketing funnels or adding one or closing down another? So that's yes. going to cover, cover today, dude. Okay. So my immediate response to that is there, there's, a, there's a simple short answer to that, but then I think there's also details that are going to go into providing context for those for that short answer. Okay, go. What do you got? What's the short answer right yeah. out of the gate? So the short answer right out of the gate is I'm always going to default to what are the numbers? What's making you think it's time to pivot? What's making you think or um, feel or know that there's something wrong with that particular marketing funnel? So maybe that'd be a good place to start. Yeah. I'd love to get a little bit more background on what has even caused this to become an issue for you and your team. Over the course of 2017, 18, we had been focused primarily on, um, you know, organic search traffic, as well as a whole pile of Facebook ads, 
um, as well as organic on Facebook. A uh, tiny bit of Instagram. Not, so mostly at Facebook was where we were seeing a lot of the conversations with our families happening, parents, et cetera. Um, and then in addition, email marketing. Right? So, so we were always doing email marketing. We're always growing our list. Um, we've had a newsletter, that kind of thing for a long time. Um, and so something was happening with Facebook where we, in, we were just seeing less and less. Um, yeah, we just weren't really seeing the return on investment uh, from that. And in addition, we were growing as a program, right? So we mm. were looking for a rapid expansion. We were finding that that um, actually most of the traction we were getting was within the email marketing and within the sort of hand-to-hand marketing, either walk-bys, phone calls, um, having, having events like open houses. Um, we, we always go to camp fairs, that kind of thing to help sell out our camp. We were finding a lot of success in that area. And okay. we just lost confidence that the digital uh, ad spend was actually delivering. Doing anything for you. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so the numbers were just not, we were seeing so much more conversion, for, for example, by paying 300 bucks and do, doing a camp fair, getting 30 or 40, um, you know, uh, forms filled out, leads. Yeah. you know, 75% of those. We're like, why don't we just do a whole bucket of camp fairs? So, yeah. So that's the genesis of it. Really, That was the first okay. time I was like, wait, digital ad, huh? My spending there is questionable. So right now though, it sounds like you, are, you have gone back to digital ads. And is there a specific, is there a specific uh, sign or a specific yeah. problem that you're observing now? Yeah, um, great question. Um, so what we did is we went back and uh, with the assistance of you, we went back and we really um, refined our Google Ads funnel. And we hadn't mm. actually really spent a ton of time in that area, um, but we spent some, right? Um, and what we noticed when we got to the end of like of 2019 into 2020 is we saw a very clear return on investment, 200, 300, 400% on the Google ad spend, and we saw a negative return on Facebook. So we really actually just like, okay, wait a minute, we're going to go there. But where we find ourselves right now and why the mm. question is coming up for me personally at Brooklyn Music Factory is that, you know, we, like so many uh, schools, went entirely online. Um, during uh, the pandemic. And then now yep. we're back in person. We're a hybrid. We have a great online program. We have a great in-person program. We're about to open up an, a, an amazing new facility. And so we're going to have to have that rapid growth again. And I wonder um, where the best place is to put our resources. Interesting. Um, yeah. And, and I'll be honest, Daniel, and I wonder if our listeners um, uh, resonate with this. And I think you're going to talk to this uh, speak to this a bit, but honestly, dude, I kind of feel like having a buffet of options is maybe not the right solution, right? Like eight different marketing channels that you're trying to maintain may not be the answer for Brooklyn Music Factory to get us okay. um, the kind of growth that we want over 2022 into 23. So yeah, that's kind of it. It's like opening a new okay. facility growing our online program that only just began two years ago, really having faith that we're investing in just the right channels only. Uh, okay. That's where I'm at. So there, I have so much to say about this. First off, I want to highlight the comment you just made there and expand on it. Having a buffet of marketing options might not be it. Mm. I agree. 
with an asterisk. I actually have an ordered list of what I think people should do. Love it. Um, this is something I've talked about in the past. Uh, this is something I go into a lot more detail in um, when I work with folks. And I don't want to get too far down that road. But there is an, what I consider an optimal order. Objectively speaking. Uh-huh. But I think also there's a subjective element to this as well. I think if a school has grown to the size that you have, you've probably done that on the back of something. And you just spent the last five minutes describing what that was. Hmm. For you, email marketing and camp fairs are real business drivers for you. Well, what about the school owner who's listening to this right now that maybe there's one camp fair and it's 45 miles away from their location right? and they can't rely on that. Right. So in my ordered list, I really can't put that there. It's present, it's there, but it's probably farther down the list for me because of the number of times that I've talked to school owner and I haven't heard that. Right. There's also the objective truth of what can I actually measure? Um, and and honestly, just to be really on, just to be really honest, what have I actually experienced as well? Ooh, yeah, you so there, there, exactly. So there's a little bit of bias in my list because still for me at the top, very top is Google Ads mm. because I have yet to see that fail a school. Okay, so can we pause right there okay, for a second? Sure. Can you jump straight to the bottom of your list and say? Hey, for listeners, if you're going to deprioritize something right now, leave yourself of the pressure. What's the bottom of your list? Like, don't even worry about this yet. Mm. Okay. Is there something you're comfortable sharing from the bottom of the list? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, okay. So first, before I even say that, this can't be the true bottom because, you know, if this were a list of every opportunity... Right, which is, you know, creating a campfire and making smoke signals could be on that list, <laughs> but practically speaking, it's not, right? right so this whole. is within probably the universe of things that are commonly talked about. Totally. And I've got to tell you that um, over the past year, I have become less and less and less enamored with Facebook ads. I've just heard tons of school owners talk about how that has worked for them. Of course, I know there's going to be a person out there who's like, oh, dude, Facebook ads are killing it for me right now. But I'm even talking about schools that I have a passing knowledge of, haven't really worked with them or anything like that, but have talked to them and they said, yeah, we used to run our own and we're having trouble with them now. It's kind of similar to your story there. Mm. And I think there's a lot of factors for that, but I've just become less and less. And by the way, this is not coming from an area of weakness for me. It just is a point of reference. The last major Facebook funnel that we ran we spent $25,000 on it and returned 90,000 in net revenue um, from that funnel. So this is an area I feel really comfortable doing, but then we also saw the death of that funnel. Mm, So when you ask me, how do you know when you need to pivot? I've actually done this in the last year. Right. We stopped. Yes. We, we stopped Facebook ads and I had a, we had a lot of long conversations between me and my Facebook genius that I work with. So much so, this guy was in a mastermind with 
major names, which I don't know if he'd feel comfortable with me sharing that, but I'll just say that some of the names he was saying like were names that I recognized from the marketing world where <laughs> that guy's marketing team was also in this mastermind. It wasn't that guy, but it was his marketing people were in this mastermind as well. And I think he paid a lot of money to be in it. Um, he actually pivoted his own career and he said, Facebook ads are going to be tough for a while. And he's like, I am just not enjoying this anymore. It used to be fun. We could, we could kill it. This guy is a stone cold expert um, between the copy that I wrote and the funnels that they put up. Um, we were returning major dollars within 30 days of starting that funnel. We didn't go through this period where we were like trying to figure it out and wasting it, not wasting a bunch of money, but spending a bunch of money on testing. Like we, we were returning within like 14 days of putting this thing up. Okay. So you just touched on something that's vital but I want to just state out loud what I've just heard. First of all, top of the list is you need to get your Google ad strategy or Google strategy together, whether it's play ads, whether it's, you know, you, you, and you, you know, you, you um, have, you've helped us a lot. You've helped a lot of different people on that. But then you're saying at the bottom, by the way, if you need to relieve yourself, and I think this is so important for all of us um, running schools that are in a, in a growth phase, is that mm-hmm. we're always looking for areas that we can say no to for a moment so that we can yes. say yes to other areas. So you're yeah. saying, if you need to say no to something, just say no to Facebook ads right now and focus on Google's. Okay, Google, ad, Google, and we're going to get into that in a second. But you, I want to highlight something you just said about this um, colleague of yours who was a Facebook ad expert and then said, I'm just not enjoying it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is gets back to one of the subjective objective comments or the subjective objective comment you made, which is one of the subjective elements in marketing is that you need to know where you find joy in it for the funnel to have any chance of success. So, for example, um, we, you know, at BMF are very community focused. We do lots of outreach to the community. We do 75, 80 events a year. Some of those are open houses. Some of those are just free, you know, big music games events, things like that. And honestly, we love doing it and people come in the door. And so your marketing, that tactic is going to work better for us because we find joy in it. So there's tons of people listening that are going to be like, I love working on the Google ads portion of it. So let's go back to that. And just, can you give us one to two tips on when to know, getting back to our initial question, you're actually doing the right thing and you should continue to refine your work in Google versus, you know what? You're way off track on this. It's okay. time to really, really um, think about whether this is going to work for you. Can you just give us some tips on that? Because we're talking about when it's time to pivot and try something totally different. So, honestly, I would never pivot off of Google Ads at this point. If it's not working, you just need to, something needs to change because it has been so reliable that for at least that particular channel, um, I I would never, I would never stop. Okay. So, okay. So the dude, now that brings me to the what's next question. Cause we're always looking for, and you do this so well when we're, when we're talking about going from abstract to concrete action. So I want to think I've got, I've got one or two people that focus on Google Ads at BMF. They, they do different things. What's a next action you can take if you know, and I love that wisdom, do not pivot off of Google Ads. 
Mm. What's the next action you can okay. begin to refine that? I, I know exactly what it is. What do you got? You have to look at the Google. And by the way, this is not necessarily super technical or dorky for you know your Google Ads specialist or your agency or for someone on your team. This is what an owner should know. Ooh, love it. That you have to judge the results you're getting from a Google Ads campaign in two categories. You have to ask yourself, are the ads themselves performing correctly? Or is there a problem after the ads? Most of the time when I see a problem and people are saying, oh, my Google ads aren't working. And they've done either a good job with the Google ads or they've outsourced it to someone else who knows what they're doing. It's usually not the Google ads that are the problem. It's actually either their offer or the place they're sending the traffic to. That's the, that's the dirty secret. And this is something I maybe talked about a little bit more probably five years ago, but I haven't really talked about it all that much publicly. So this is a good as enough, good as time as any, yeah, yeah. as good a time as any to kind of bring that back in the conversation that for most studios, their main problem is that their offer isn't clear or the copy is boring or they have generic headlines and just a, kind of a generic page that doesn't bring out excitement. Mm. If, you, if you've done a good job with Google Ads, it's almost always that. Now, the flip side of that coin is I said there were two problem areas and I focused more on the other one because that's the one that I predominantly see. Um, it's also possible that your Google Ads are set up wrong. I literally was just um, working with someone last night and it did get a little technical. Um, so about, <laughs> about six o'clock last night, I was looking at someone's Google Ads um, uh, uh, account and I asked him a bunch of questions. I was looking through his numbers and it turns out because of where he's located and the unique circumstances of his geographical area, mm. I think he's going to get a better result simply by lowering the radius in which he displays his ads. And I think that's going to solve most of his problems. But I've also even seen simple, silly things like people set up an account, they're targeting the right keywords. And then when they set their location, they, they targeted the entire US when they were trying to run a local right. campaign, like little silly mistakes like that. Or they put all their keywords into one cam, uh, into one ad group instead of splitting them out by the customer that they're targeting or the instrument that they're targeting. Ooh. So they put everything in one massive campaign and had a general one-size-fits-all ad, and, and they're getting really poor click-through rates on that because they're targeting their preschool program and their grade school program and their adult program and their band program. And it's like, right. and so they're getting really horrible numbers on the ad itself. And they're sending them to a place that doesn't even make a lot of sense. Like when they're actually when the customer is actually clicking through the ad, they're being sent to a general catch-all page. That's not going to be nearly as effective as a very specific page that you're sending people to. Now, I'm starting to get a little geeky. I promised I wouldn't, but that's just a couple examples of um, where you can go wrong. Yeah, where you can Those go two wrong. Two areas where you can go wrong. Yeah, and I love that under the hood, you're giving examples of how you can actually set up the engine incorrectly. Yeah, and then once you that the thing is driving, maybe you're you actually don't know where to drive it to. Um, yeah, and I want to pause for a second for everybody that's listening because I'm just going to put on my I'm going to put on my founder's hat, my BMF hat, my team building hat, and my and I'm just going to be like, wait a minute, Daniel just listed like four or five things that could be wrong under the hood, and I'm thinking to myself, wait, is that is that my job? Should I then mm. now open up the Google ads? Should I look at all the campaign? 
So I look at the keywords and and I want to encourage everybody listening to actually push pause for a second or or just rewind this sucker for a second and write down the quick punch list that Daniel just said. Right? You just mm. gave some punch list and then challenge yourself to be like, who is the right person to actually audit? Is it me, the founder, or is it somebody else? Because I think that was one of the that was one of the issues for me when we get back to trust. It's like I know that I have better areas to work on my business, but if I don't have a clear teammate that's in there auditing what you're talking about, then I lose trust in it. And I think that probably resonates for our listeners. You know, it's like you just because you don't exactly know how it's operating as a founder doesn't mean that you can't trust it. Yeah. Right. You're, you're, so anyways, can I move? Well, I have, yeah. Well, I actually even have a thought on that. To yeah, be honest. yeah. Fire. And then I want to get to what happens when you send your traffic to the wrong place versus the right place. I don't know about you, but I didn't get an owner's manual when I started my music school. And I wasted a lot of time on trial and error and making things up as I went along. But you don't have to do that. Nate and I are building a library of resources and tools exclusively for fans of this podcast. Go to growyourmusicstudio.com slash 7FMS and sign up to receive podcast updates, free resources, and even submit questions for us to answer on the podcast. That's growyourmusicstudio.com slash 7FMS. And we look forward to answering your questions. In, in response to what you said there about having the wisdom as a founder to know where your time is best served. Mm-hmm. I think that comes from where you are financially as a school. Mm-hmm. Because I think the, this is my opinion. Actually, Nate, you might disagree with this, but my opinion is once you have enough cash coming in, you know, after teachers have been paid, your facility costs have been paid, your accountant's been paid, like all that stuff. I think the first hire that a studio should make is probably some sort of admin or executive assistant type role to start systematically getting things off the plate of the founder so that the founder can then focus on the most leverageable activities that will make that school continue to grow in both financial success and product quality. So that means reallocating the time of that founder or owner to meeting with key team members and focusing on marketing so that you can continue to grow. But at a certain point, that person needs to start handing off marketing tasks to other people. And the first marketing task that I handed off my plate when I got uh, someone to support me was you know, simple marketing things where it was more push button, turnkey, like, hey, post this to our Facebook page. Right. As soon as I did that, the amount of content that started going out on social skyrocketed because it was no longer limited by the amount of time that I had to do things. And I literally would sit and watch NFL football games on Sunday, posting things during commercials to the, to the, uh, mm. um, or scheduling things to the Facebook page, you know, because it was the weekend, but I was still having to work if we wanted to get content out there. And there was only so much that I had the patience to do. I just didn't want to be doing that. Even if I hated the commercials or muted them, like I'd rather be doing something else or just relaxing. So handing off those like repeatable tasks, I think is important, but, and here's really what I'm getting to the real kicker. And, and I think this is where I see school owners having a little bit of insecurity. It's like, okay, I actually do have some money now to invest in the school. What should I invest in first? 
And mm. I was going to say this earlier, but we kind of move off the topic. But I think this is actually a place where I'd sneak it in. Google Ads will only get you so far. It will only get you as far as there's a, there's a natural limiting factor. And it's two things. One, the number of people who are actually searching in the area you're targeting. And two, the number of people searching that would be prone to click on an ad. Not everyone's going to click on an ad at the top. They've done research on this. Google has even released this research. And it's that some people, they go straight for the ads. And there's another psychology or buyer type that skips the ads and goes down to the organic search results. That buyer type. Yeah. And so you're only, you are only getting so much of the traffic, traffic even when you're doing Google ads. And so this is where in 2022, my big three are Google yeah. ads, Google search, and a combination of Google map pack slash GMB, because those two things are real. They're not the same thing. They are two things. Oh, GMB. What do you got? What does that mean? Oh, Google my business. Yes. Got it. Having a right. Google my business profile that you're consistently yep. updating adding new information, adding new pictures, getting new reviews on it. As you give love to your GMB profile, Google will prioritize it in maps and in search returns. Those three are huge. And I've got a huge, I mean, you know, I, there's a school I know in Colorado that is killing it with Craigslist, but I've seen plenty of other schools try Craigslist and not, not get it or not get results with it or get success with it. And just my final thought on that is that yeah, there's a lot of other opportunities and we could spend another hour talking about all the different opportunities and how to exploit, blah, blah, blah. But really the big three, Google Ads, Google SEO, and Google My Business. You've got to be there. Okay, so it sounds to me like maybe my initial question, maybe it's not a great question. Like, when is it time to pivot from a channel? And what I hear you keep saying, Daniel, is like, actually... You can have other opportunities. Like I brought up camp fairs. I brought up email marketing, et cetera. Yeah. But you're saying the big three is it's, you're not pivoting off this. Basically, Google, focus on ads, search, Google My Business, right? So put in the time to get those right or put in yes. the team to get those right. Put in yeah. the resources to get those right. Okay, so. I and and that's where I'd say team is huge, especially for the SEO piece because Never in a million, billion, hundred, gazillion years would I recommend that a studio owner do SEO. Like I'd say, hey, you know what? Do Google Ads. We even have a whole training on it for schools that aren't quite big enough yet to afford a, a, a competent agency to do Google Ads for you and to make a really solid strategy. Go ahead, do that one. But Google SEO, I mean, there are videos on my YouTube channel and on Facebook and, and blog posts I've written that have explicitly said, don't use SEO. Um, there's a caveat with that. It's like up to a certain point. Like once you have the budget to do that, go for it, but don't personally do it, please. <laughs> you know? Okay. So I think you have another question though. I do. Well, I want to get back to a quote you said. And I just, before I get there, so we brought in an SEO expert um, exactly because of what you just said there. We're at a stage now where like, I know it's important. We've done a whole bunch of the, you know, writing great blog content, um, partnering with some other local blogs, et cetera, to try to drive organic traffic. But the reality is, is it's time to, give that to somebody else. So what I loved was that when he came in, he's like, it's a 12-month contract. Here's what yes. it's going to look like. Here's what your monthly report's going to be look, look like. And it gets actually to the comment you made, which is you said, uh, this is what an owner should know. And you were referencing just like, when is it important that the owner actually has working knowledge of some aspect of their marketing? So I'm curious, getting back to your big three, because you're clearly saying like SEO, like Nate, you don't really need to have working knowledge of exactly how to do it. 
Yeah. You do need to have working knowledge, it sounds like what you're saying, on what the benefit of it is to your growing business. But can you get back to your Google, um, your big three? What, what do I need as an owner to have working knowledge of around those three? Like, when can I just say, hey, I'm going to delegate the team and they can just report back to me what's working and what's not? What do okay. I actually have to know about as the owner? Yeah. And I think this goes to the larger question of the episode because I, I think we can wrap a bunch of concepts in here. Okay, good. Maybe we're, maybe we're bringing this all to a point. I think we might be coming to a close here. And it's this, that right now in the wider world, there's all this talk of like crypto and NFTs and it's hitting the public consciousness. And you know what? There's nothing new under the sun. Right. The, hot, the hot investment item 20 years ago were tech stocks. And the hot investment item 20 years before that, well, I wasn't alive, so I don't know. <laughs> My point is... Real estate. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Being real estate in the 80s, you know, like uh, Michael Douglas, Wall Street, you know. <laughs> um, and uh, wait, it was Michael Douglas. Yeah, that movie. Anyway, um, you need to understand what you're investing in. Yeah. So the the big thing right now is for more conservative investment advice. If you listen to like Dave Ramsey or um, uh, Jim Cramer or Susie Orman, like whoever you take investing advice from, one of the things you'll always hear is don't invest in something you don't understand. Right. You, your cousin has this hot real estate deal and he wants you to throw $25,000 into it. Oh yeah, it'll work out. I mean, how many horror stories have we heard? Probably even from our own family members yeah. of like, oh yeah, I, I wanted to get into it. It was like a once in a lifetime deal. And then it fell through in some way or there was some, here's the thing. If you're going to invest in, an, in a marketing channel, there's at least a baseline level of understanding and research you should do on it. And if it's literally just spending an hour Googling things like, how to make my GMB profile good? How do I hire mm. uh, a contractor, an agency to set up my Google My Business or to do SEO? How do I know my SEO is working? Just a baseline level of research so you become conversant. I think everybody should Google, no matter what they're investing in, is how do I know if my SEO specialist is any good? How do I know if my Facebook ad specialist is any good? What are the warning signs? What are the red flags? Just use Google. It's such a friend. You'll get all kinds of great articles. And there's probably going to be two or three nuggets you come away with when it comes to that. It, it, it's just shocking to me that people will jump into something, but they even haven't done that level of research. I know that's not everyone, but... like, So, okay. I think, dude, you just crushed it with the baseline knowledge to be conversant. I feel like yeah. that would be a mantra for all of us as owners of growing schools because you need a baseline knowledge to be conversant around your curriculum. You're delivering a great mm -hmm. piano lesson. You can't be like, I actually know nothing about music education. You just do what you do, right? Yeah. yeah baseline so, um, and that's literally the service you're delivering. So yeah, any, anything you want to add to it? Because I'm going to give one, I think I'm going to bring this back home and give a story from BMF around this where I failed at it actually. Okay. But I think answering the larger question, mm -hmm. how do I know when I should pivot or move on from a channel or strategy? Yes. This is a tough question to answer. And I do think it's going to come down to the studio owner. Because while I wouldn't recommend moving off any of those things I mentioned before, you might move 
from one provider to another if someone can't deliver results. Or you might need to delegate those duties to a different team member or bring a different team member in. Mm-hmm. But for instance, how would someone know we probably shouldn't be doing Facebook ads right now? Or how do you know if you're going off into one of these other areas, you're using a different marketing channel, how would you know, oh, you know what, it's just not working out? And I think that's where you have to get into in, into self-knowledge. Is, is this something that excites you enough that you personally want to actually learn more about that channel? Even if you're not going to be the one executing the task, do you want to add that knowledge to your repertoire so that you can at least speak knowledgeably with a team member or an external team member? And really, in my, in my view, the ideal way that an owner would do their marketing is that they get those three, the three that I've been mentioning for the last 20 minutes, they get those three in order, and then they add one more on, and then they add one more on, and they add one more on, and they just keep kind of moving down the list, adding things. But And, and I think this is the kind of the closing thought for me, not that we're going to close the episode, but the closing thought for this idea is that either you personally need to understand what that list should be, come up with that list on your own, have a gut reaction as to like, uh, oh, I think this is what we would be good at, or I have this particular opportunity, or I saw this school do that. That I really resonate with that particular tactic or strategy. I, I'd love to do Craigslist ads. I, I, back in my college days, I was a Craigslist fiend. Like, oh, I just loved you know finding little deals on there and going and picking up this piece of furniture. Like, you got to know who you are. Yes. Once you kind of get out of those really super effective things that every small business should be doing. Um, and if you have passion or excitement around it, you just start adding those techniques on. We're going to be, we have an episode coming up where we're, um, we're talking with someone uh, other than you and me. And he had a very specific strategy that really worked for him that I found fascinating that I haven't really given a lot of stock or thought to. And I was just fascinated by how he'd worked this and got such a great result with it. I was asking him all kinds of questions so much so that we're going to turn into a podcast episode that's coming up here in the next week or so. Um, but you know, the kind of my final thought, my closing thought around this is just that you got to do those big three and then add these techniques on and you either need to know enough yourself to have a theory that you can prove or disprove like, Oh, we should be doing this or not. And then once you start doing it, Oh, we know that it's working or we know, we know it's not working. Or you need to have someone that you trust that can give you that information. You need to have someone that you can rely on. To be like, hey, you keep your ear to the ground in the larger marketing world. What do you think about this? You know, bringing a coach in, bringing an advisor in, something of that nature. So it's a common, it's twofold. Here's what I yeah. hear you saying. There's some, the big three you've given, Google Ad, Google Search, Google My Business. Those are non-negotiables. Yeah. So we as owners need to generate interest in that, whether we have the interest or not, Right. And then we need to know ourselves well enough to know when we're going to be delegating tasks. For example, I would never be the person who would manage that every day at Brooklyn Music Factory because I would drop some of the details. Mm. I just know that about myself. That's not where I'm best used. And we talked about my time is best used to help and benefit others. But then you said, combine it with measure. You got to yeah, measure of course. matters, right? And you opened with that. You literally were like, dude, what, Nate? Okay, so why are you losing trust? Tell me what the numbers were. You weren't yeah. like, 
tell me an emotional story. You're like, why? What? What actually was falling off that led you um, down the path of questioning that? So I really appreciate that, and I just love the way you're packaging it. To oh, by the way, when it comes time to add a new funnel or a new opportunity, you just start with your own why. Where are you actually going to find enough joy that you're going to be engaged and interested in making this work? Because as we grow our schools, Daniel, I think this is the thing that I've really learned over the dozen years at BMF, is that you're not going to be a solo warrior. You're not going to do it yourself. So the only way you're going to inspire others to come on is if you're actually finding joy and hyper-curious around it to begin with. Yeah. So um, I was trying to think of a good just BMF story to close with. But, you know, I'll just say this. It's never worked for me when I've been like, someone go fix this Hmm. in marketing. Like, hey, this isn't working. Can someone just fix this and get back to me on what they did? Yeah. Never work, dude. It doesn't work in any buckets of the business. Like right now, we're focused heavily on leveling up our um, curriculum and our training. And we're rebuilding curriculum and we're redesigning it and we're hiring. We've got a bunch, a whole new class of faculty coming on, some new staff. And so I freaking love curriculum design. I love it, love it, love it. I love everything we do around it. And all I need to do is share that passion and some stories about where we've succeeded and failed at BMF as I'm bringing the team together. I don't have to be the one who does every little detail and gets everything right as we repackage mini keys for our next 10 years. But I do have to be the one who knows historically what's worked and what hasn't. And then I have to show that I am invested, like from my heart, invested in this succeeding. And this is what I really appreciate um, you know, in the, in the years that we've known one another, Daniel, is that you are invested in the success of schools marketing. You've been like from the day we met, you were invested in that. That's somewhere where you you really find joy in the marketing and the sales component, that bucket number one. It's been clear as day to me from from the moment we met. And so I just think, you know, that's a good place to close around this. Like if you're not trusting some aspect of your business, you might need to start with yourself first and say, are you really actually invested yourself in that part of it? And if not, okay, well, then maybe you need some support elsewhere to find investment in that, or you need to let go of it for now. Focus on the big three of marketing, add only one other channel that you're really finding joy in, um, and then go from there. Hey, it's Nate again. You know, every year at Brooklyn Music Factory, we get dozens and dozens of great reviews from our families. And you want to know how? Because we ask them. And they're happy to leave a review because of the positive impact that we've made on them. And so now I have a simple ask for you. If this podcast, the 7FMS podcast, was helpful to you, Would you mind leaving a review for Daniel and I? And please share the podcast with another music school owner that you think might benefit. It's one of the best ways that you can support us. We appreciate it.